Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Radio Pulso, also known as the Boyle Heights Beat Podcast. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first time co-hosting, and I'll start by introducing myself. My name is Stephanie Perez. I am currently a sophomore at Francisco Bravo Medical Magnet High School. I've lived in Boyle Heights my whole life, and I've been a youth reporter for Boyle Heights Beat for about a year now. My first story here was about La Virgen de Guadalupe and how she remains powerful throughout generations. And I'm currently working on a story about the Benjamin Franklin branch library. Joining me today is my co-host, Dani Alejandro. How are you feeling today, Dani? Howdy, y'all. I'm feeling great today because finals are over and we're having a winter break. This is my first time co-hosting. My name is Dani Alejandro and I've lived in Boyle Heights before, but I currently live in East LA. I'm attending Francisco Bravo Medical Magnet High School as well. I've been a youth reporter for Boyle Heights Beat for around a year now, and I did a story on a historic restaurant in Boyle Heights, and I'm currently writing one about a coffee shop on Sharp Soto Street. I'm a big fan of all food that is tasty, and Boyle Heights has plenty of that. And very quickly, we just want our audience to know that we're a radio program and podcast brought to you by the community news outlet Boyle Heights Beat. This is a program that trains local high school students to publish a community newspaper, and it also produces this very own podcast. Hence us being here today. So, what do we have going on today, Dania? It's December, and we're ready to get into the holiday spirit. Earlier this month, we participated in the Boyle Heights Christmas Parade, and we had community members share their holiday traditions with us. So we'll be taking a listen to that in a couple of minutes. Tamales are food you eat at parties with your Latin family and other people you love. Tamales are often seen at bautismos, fiestas, and posadas. This holiday food is symbolic for family and community. And speaking of tamales... Today we will be interviewing Boyle Heights resident Marlene Aguilar, who offers plant-based options including vegan tamales to her community. Before we dive into our interview, let's take a listen for a few interviews we did at the Boyle Heights Christmas Parade. I got the chance to talk to Camarina Perez, a Boyle Heights resident who also happens to be Stephanie's mom. Let's take a listen to what traditions she participates in during the holidays. ¿Qué vas a hacer para los días festivos? ¿Qué voy a hacer? a celebrar con mi familia una cena navideña y hacer juegos y pasarnos la bonito. Y segunda pregunta es, ¿cuáles son sus tradiciones favoritas navideñas? Uh, hay muchas, tamales, de la comida, los tamales, um, hacemos barbacoa, hacemos pavo también y con queña lo hace. Um, hacemos juegos, nos vestimos todos iguales. Eh, a veces hacemos la posada porque depende del clima, pero rompemos piñatas o hacemos posada del nacimiento, pidiendo posada. Una parte de la familia se sale al corral y otro se queda adentro y pedimos posada y llevamos dulces y, y hacemos ponche y hacemos todo eso. Arrollamos al niñito Dios porque creemos en el niñito Dios. Esa es una de nuestras tradiciones que, que no olvidamos. So, Dania, what are your favorite holiday traditions? So, my favorite holiday traditions are eating <laughs> tamales, pozole, birria. Oh, my God, my neighbor makes, like, the best beef I've ever seen. It's so good. Um, a green pozole is my favorite, by the way. Green supremacy. Um, <laughs> what about you? What do you do during the holidays? Oh, my family loves to dress up. We like doing pajamas or playing games. Obviously, a lot of food. We love tamales, barbacoa, aguachile, even in this weather. Yeah, our family loves food, and traditions are very important. We love doing posadas and, you know, arrollando al niñito Dios. But yeah, it's, it's fun. 
I'm so jealous of all the food <laughs> you just mentioned. <laughs> we also got to talk to Santa Claus. Let's see what he's doing for the holidays. Hi, my name is Amy Mendieta Soto. I'm here at Mariachi Plaza with Boyle Heights B, and I'm here with... Santa Claus. Santa Claus. So I just wanted to ask you a couple questions. So what are you going to do for the holidays? I will spend time after everything is done, catching all the toys. I will be spending time with family and just relaxing for a few days. Santa's, um, Mrs. Claus's birthday is on the 27th, so we're going to enjoy our time together. Thank you. And what are your favorite holiday traditions? Favorite holiday traditions is parades. Bow Heights Parade is one of those ones. I've been helping out with parades in this community for the last 15 years. Being part of this community, it means a lot to me. Knowing what this community has offered to do, from the Bull Heights Beach to the Bull Heights Tech Center, to everything that goes on in this community, there's so much to be grateful for. And that was Bull Heights Santa. I remember when I found out that Santa Claus wasn't real. I went into the closet and I found wrapping paper that matched the gift I got from Santa Claus. My mom happened to walk in the room at the exact moment and told me to put it back. We never talked about it again. <laughs> what about you? When did you find out that Santa Claus wasn't real? What do you mean, Danya? <laughs> what do you mean Santa Claus isn't um, real? <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> no, but I remember when I found Santa Claus wasn't real, uh, we were in the parking lot in front of a Walmart, and my mom had just gotten our our gifts for Christmas. <laughs> so I asked my dad, like, wasn't Santa supposed to come? <laughs> and he said, well, you know what? Santa just gives me the money. <laughs> so that's how I found out. Oh, my God. So terrible. Well, not really. Um, <laughs> well, enough talk about Santa Claus. Let's talk about food, especially tamales, which seems to be everybody's go-to food during the holidays. With us here, we have Marlene Aguilar. Marlene is Chicana and of Purepecha descent, born and raised in Songba territory in what is known as East Los Angeles with roots in the Intermountain Valley region of Michoacán, Mexico. As a community-based cocinera, she draws inspiration from her campesina family. She has also been shaped by her work in different food equity programs, specifically through community-supported agriculture. She is founder of the food project Irecuaricua, which aims to offer seasonally-inspired, affordable plant-based meals while highlighting the resilience of indigenous foods. Her project is currently offering a meal prep service like Comida Corrida from Fondas or Cocinas Económicas found throughout Mexico. Hi, Marlene. Thank you so much for being here. I heard that you've been preparing some tamales for an event this week. How's that been going? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've been busy. It's tamal season. And it's a lot of work because I actually prepare the tamales from scratch. So I cook the dry corn in cal, and that's the process of an tamalization. So I cook it. Um, then I grind it. And then I prepare the masa, which, you know, the fat and the seasoning and stuff like that. And then I also prepare the fillings and, you know, assemble them and then cook. So it's a pretty <laughs> pretty thorough process, but that's one of the reasons why I only make tamales during this time of year, because it would be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Since we are in the holiday season, what holiday traditions do you celebrate with the family? Usually it's either pozole, tamales, or buñuelos and atole. Those are basically just you know the, the main things we do. Really, all we do is really eat. <laughs> <laughs> My, the majority of my family is in Mexico, and so it's really just my nuclear family, my parents, 
my brother, sister-in-law, a new addition. I have some nieces, twin nieces, and then my partner. And so it's just us. So really, it's just we, we get together and, yeah, just enjoy a meal and just hang out. Enjoy the time that we all have off. Sure, someone who might be your partner for the holidays would be <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what is the significance of the Mayas culture? Well, Latino culture involves a lot of different folks, right? So I'm going to specifically focus on the Mexican culture because I am Mexican descent. But yeah, there's a variety of different tamales all throughout Latin America. And it's pretty amazing, right? Because if you think about it, my ace is born in uh, Mesoamerica and it extends down to South America and up to like New York state area so it's pretty amazing and how all the variations of tamales that have uh, resulted right specifically for the Mexican community I mentioned earlier um to Jacqueline when talking to her is that tamales usually are associated with Christmas right and New Year's but tamales existed before people started celebrating Christmas in the Americas Corn is about seven, eight thousand years old. Tamales is roughly around the same, but Christianity wasn't in the Americas till the colonial settlers, the Spanish, came to the Americas. So that's five hundred and plus years. So tamales, actually, I feel then is a celebration of the harvest of maize. In Mexico, specifically, maize is harvested in late November or December. And typically, maize takes about seven months to grow from seed to dry and so to harvest. And so usually it's planted around June and that's when the rainy season happens in Mexico. And so back in the day, we didn't have irrigation systems and sewer systems like we have now. And so most people depended on the rain specifically to grow their harvest. And so when it's time to harvest, it's a celebration. You know, it's we're talking about big pieces of land that are, you know, were planted, then you're harvesting. You need a lot of different hands. Either all your family, immediate or extended, come together to harvest. And mind you, for the harvest, you start running out of maize. <laughs> it's not like here at the start when you could go any, you know, to the tortilleria if you're in East LA or Boyle Heights. Right before it was just like what is available is available. It's really, I think, a celebration of how well the harvest went, being grateful to nature, right, for being able to have maize. And not just in that moment, right, of harvest time, but all throughout the year, because people usually planted enough maize to last them for the next harvest. So I think that's really, I think it's it's really a reflection of just kind of like an agricultural just cycle. Yeah, and so it's deep within our tradition and culture that we still remember it. And so even though now it's, it has more religious ties, but I, I feel like it's, it's older than that. What inspired you to start cooking plant-based meals and are you vegan yourself? What inspired me? Okay, so I was in college. I was taking a nutritional science course, public health course, and we were talking about how prevalent diabetes and these diet-related illnesses were in communities of color. And, and one of the main things that we talked about was lack of access to healthy foods in, in communities, so like East LA, Boyle Heights, right? And an overabundance of liquor stores and just, you know, fast food. And so then I thought, well, you know, I want to be able to provide access because that's one of the things that was a main issue that and then also our culture currently is really meat like heavy right 
And so there's a, a variety, overabundance of meat options in the community, tacos, and hamburguesas, pizza, right? Um, and so I wanted to offer something different. I was vegan strictly maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, more than that. But with time, as I've kind of researched how my ancestors ate, they did eat meat, but it was a seasonal thing. And it wasn't every meal, three meals a day. <laughs> and so now I do eat meat. I eat things like turkey, bison, and lamb. So basically, it's like I, I eat mostly native meat and not all the time. So turkey is seasonal. Turkey, you know, you started seeing it around things, turkey day, things taking, and then bison every so often because it's kind of pricey. So and it's grass fed. So it's those kind of things. I, I focus more on quality than just the stuff that you see like at the store. But I'm mostly plant-based. So I do eat, I'm a gardener too. I have a, a, I'm an urban gardener. And I try to plant as many vegetables as possible because I am big on making sure my food is uh, free of toxins and pesticides. And so whatever I have in my garden, I grow and I eat. <laughs> very interesting i i have noticed like how uh i noticed like last year there was like not as much organic options that are like available like they're more expensive than exactly so why do you think cultural foods having vegan options is important it's important because you know it's it's you you're trying to be inclusive of everyone you know often i remember when i was strictly vegan it was uh I felt left out that, you know, nobody uh, thought of me or, and oftentimes I would have to make my own food. So I'm a cook and that's not a problem, but there are some vegans that aren't really into the kitchen, but they need to eat. (laughs) So I think it's important to, to incorporate them and then, but also have agency as vegans and make space, like claim space, you know, within family gatherings. And that's by way of, like, bringing your own dish enough, not just for yourself, for other people, right? So close to taste. And they could be like, oh, this isn't too bad. You know, it's not. Because people usually, I don't know, they, there's a certain idea of what vegan food is or what health, healthy food is. But if you incorporate, include the same sazon that you would a meat-based dish, it's so good. Yeah, I know, like, typically a lot of Mexican families only incorporate those things aren't very common, and they're not really accepted, you know, so they feel like, I'm good. You know, and it's so interesting you say that because, like, there are so many dishes that are, like, Mexican or Latino that are veggie or vegan, yeah, you know. Right, and so, one, for instance, like, um, for Catholics, when they celebrate Lent, there's so many different different dishes that come out, and they're vegetarian. You're like, whoa, what happened here? And then also, too, for instance, my parents come from Mexico. They come from Michoacan, specifically from very rural communities. And I remember asking them, so what are some dishes you guys ate? And the majority, like, when they were really, really young, they didn't really eat a lot of meat. It was only if my grandparents, grandfathers specifically, on each side went to hunting. And it was only then when they were able to get some. It wasn't until later on 
that meat became more accessible. And so it's just like, well, then what did you guys eat? You know? And she's like, oh, well, we calacitas and papas and all kinds of different things. I'm like, you see, it's not, it's just you forgot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just lack of memory, you know? Oh, I'm just making my parents don't want to remember that poverty because exactly. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh well, we have meat now. You know, we we can we can eat it. We we don't have to be afraid. Where mm-hmm. and for me, it's just balance. You know, it's just balancing out your macronutrients. <sighs> How did you learn to cook these plant based meals? I learned asking my mom. You know, I I moved away from East LA when I was. After high school, I went to college up to the Bay Area, and I didn't know how to cook before I left. I was very dependent on my mother. I actually resisted the kitchen because I'm like, no, I'm a feminist, and I don't belong in the kitchen. (laughs) But then I wanted real Mexican food, and it's like, uh uh-oh. So then I had to call my mom and learn by myself, with her guidance, of course. And then also, uh, because... During that time, I was involved with different um, food projects. There was always, like, the scenario when they had leftover cases of something. And it's like, oh, how do you do this? You know, how can I use this in 10 different ways? So, honestly, I would just Google. (laughs) And then either follow the recipe or just kind of get an idea and get inspired. And then further on in different other uh, projects, yeah, I I was given the task of, like, helping Latin American communities eat veggies that are probably not familiar, like, or, uh, like, uh, yeah, that are not familiar to them. And so I would just incorporate different veggies, but with the same sazon, with the same cooking techniques and stuff like that. And, yeah, that's just really how I learned how to experiment. And it's a lot of trial and error, but it honestly made the kitchen exciting for me. You know, because like I mentioned, I resisted when I was a teenager. But because there is this, I was re- I was introduced to a variety of different vegetables that I probably wasn't really accustomed to. It made it exciting. And so I think that's, um, and I hadn't seen the kitchen as something exciting. I had seen something as like, oh, my mom's going to yell at me that I'm not doing it right or I'm not doing it fast enough, things like that. So, yeah, so that's that's just how I learned throughout the years. My specialty is a uh, blue corn tamales. I started using blue corn because when I started becoming really into ancestral foods, I knew that yellow corn that was grown here in the United States was either GMO, genetically modified. And so I wanted to avoid that corn. And so I knew that blue corn wasn't genetically modified and that it would be safe. So then my mom taught me how to make me tamal a few years back. And we started making every kind of maize thing from tortillas, gorditas, sopes, tamales. And she taught me how to do it. And so, like I mentioned, it's plant-based. The fillings, oh, so I use vegetarian shortening, non-hydrogenated as for, for the fat. And then as for the fillings, I substitute the meat with mushrooms, with oyster mushrooms specifically, because they shred very similar to, it looks like shredded carne, like meat. 
So I make oyster mushrooms in a uh, guajillo sauce. So I use basically the same sauce that my mom would for the pork. She uses pork in that sauce. But I substitute the pork with the mushrooms. I also make tarrajas with vegan cheese. I also make some turkey tamales. They're not specifically plant-based, but I substitute the pollo, the chicken, with turkey because turkey is a Native American meat. It's native to the Americas. And then the other ones that I like to do, the sweet corn tamales, I make out of chocolate. So it's nothing but chocolate, and it tastes like a brownie. (laughs) Tell me more about your food projects. How did you come up with the idea of them? Okay, so Irequariqua is a Purepecha word, indigenous language of Michoacán, the region um, of Michoacán. And when I was taking a language class and I came across the word, I thought it was really beautiful because it, it translates to way of life, uh, forma de vida. And I thought that was a beautiful word that captured all my interests from growing food to researching and bringing back ancestral foods to cooking seasonally, cooking by the seasons, cooking things that are just currently in harvest, right? And I just feel like it reflects really a way of life. You plant your seeds, you take tent to them, you compost, all that stuff, right? And harvest it when it's in season, cook it. It's more of a lifestyle than a trend. And so the food project was, I do catering more now than the meal service. I was offering a meal service. My idea was to uh, provide meals that people could have using seasonal produce so they could have them throughout the week as uh, like a lunch. And But I stopped doing that. Um, just a lot of work. <laughs> and, uh, and I just needed a break. But yeah, so I offer catering. I try to use, I have a small garden, but I try to use the stuff from my garden. You know, quality produce is something that, like you mentioned earlier, we don't have readily available here in the Monterrey, Boyle Heights area. And so I try to grow a little bit more of what I'm going to consume so that I could incorporate it into, you know, the foods I cook for people. Yeah, so whatever's in season. So, for instance, right now, what's in season is, like, lettuce. Planting some lettuce, but have some lettuce ready to go for the future clearings out there. (laughs) So, what food equity programs have you been part of? I've been part of different ones. For instance, here in L.A., it's called uh, Food Not Bombs or Comida No Bombas. This is what they... So basically, we would go to farmer's markets at the end of the farmer's markets, um, get donations from the vendors, food that they don't want to take back or they don't have the capacity to keep, specifically like rich space. And we would take it and then cook it and then distribute um, in areas like Skid Row, just wherever folks needed a meal. And then in the also, I did... I worked with a um, housing developer here who offered uh, nutrition education programs and also access to organic foods in their housing developments in the like Echo Park, Highland Park, Pomona area. And my role there was nutrition education to try to... Um, so basically, it was providing spaces for people to cook healthier. And then when I was in the Bay Area, I 
was part of a farm, organic farm, a CSA program specifically, community supported agriculture. And we worked with a farmer, you know, and a small farmer to uh, either plant things in the greenhouse, can weed, uh, different things like that. And yeah, I guess that's all I could think of right now. How does your community react to the work that you're doing? My community supports me. They hire me for their community events, you know, because they see, you know, that I'm offering something that's lacking. So, yeah, it's it's mostly support. You know, they, they yeah, they just hit me up with things. So. And I really deeply appreciate that. I don't know who's going to hear this, but, yes, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be able to be sustained, like, sustainable. So, you know, I it's usually word of mouth. I don't have, like, a big marketing thing or, or well-known brand. But people just hire me on to do things for them. And it's interesting because sometimes some people have tried my food without even knowing me and then I'll meet them and be like oh I tried your food before I was like oh okay you know <laughs> um so that's that's how my community reacts you know they support me and it's always sharing my name in spaces or rooms uh where it's it um it applies you know so I am really grateful for them you said like anything else you need to add to that I would just encourage folks to, you know, to develop the relationship with food. Oftentimes, food is seen like it's in our culture. It's been commodified. And so it's not given its proper place as it was till like a long time ago with our ancestors. And so developing our relationship with food is going to make us healthier physically, our bodies. But then as we further develop that, it could also make our environment also cleaner, healthier. And so I understand that in, in urban spaces in the city, it's, it's sometimes you know difficult, but it's not impossible, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, I just really encourage folks to just plant a seed if you can. That's something that you like. Uh, that's manageable. Start small. So you could see what it takes all the energy and work that goes to cultivating that so that the value of food and the people that cook it and grow it is heightened or it's it's that work is valued more because I feel like it's not kitchen work is paid really bad <laughs> and also farm workers are paid really bad and so I would want us to just really think about that a little bit more reflect a little bit about that and I think that's pretty much it and just be grateful can't take for granted the elements water here in California we're in a drought specifically southern California so just being more mindful too of how we use our water that's important too thank you so much for letting me thank you and yeah if uh, folks could follow me on Instagram the handle is Ire Quariqua. It's really, like I said, a mouthful, but I'll say it slower. Ire Quariqua. Ire Quariqua. And again, that means way of life in Purepecha. So yeah, follow me. And so you're able to see when I do my pop ups and things like that. I'll be, I'm, I'm actually going back to the kitchen to make tamales now. I'll be in the East Side Cafe Mercado tomorrow, but I know that this will be aired later than that. But I'm also going to be offering tamales next week 
And so in case you hear this while you're eating your tamales and you're like, oh, I want to try those tamales. I'm also going to be making tamales in February for the Dia de la Candelaria, which is tamal season still. So anyways, keep your eye out. <laughs> and just thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap for Radio Pulso Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Daniela Landers. And I'm Stephanie Cordova. If you want to pitch us an idea for the radio show or our newspaper, send us an email at boilheightsb at gmail.com. That's boilheightsb at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from all of you as we pride ourselves in offering noticias por y para la comunidad. Or we'd even love to have you on our show. Also, make sure to check us out on social media to stay up to date. You can follow our Radio Pulso Instagram account, at Radio Pulso. Thanks to the people who make Boyle Heights Beat possible, especially Chris Kelly and Antonio Mejia Ferenta. A huge thank you to our radio producer, Jackie Ramirez, for engineering the show today. You'll hear from us at the start of next year. Don't forget to tune in. Until then, suerte, Boyle Heights. Nos vemos en la calle. Bye! Bye. <laughs>